Good morning. My name is Eric V. On the outside chance that this is being recorded, and I am a very grateful recovered alcoholic. Um, I come here today because in a letter Bill Wilson wrote in 1942, it says, our chief responsibility to the newcomer is an adequate presentation of the program. So you will need a big book. I will be making lots of page references, and it, it's going to be a bit of a wild ride. There's a lot of information that I'd like to, I'd like to cover. Um, briefly about me, I, um, I've been sober since April 21st, 1991. I, I have a sponsor. I am a sponsor. I attend uh, several meetings a week, including book studies, literature-based discussion meetings. I take a foundation meeting, if you will, to the Salvation Army once a week on Tuesdays. And for that, I'm truly grateful. Let's see here. I introduce myself as a recovered alcoholic because on page 90, the book tells me to, to introduce myself as a recovered alcoholic, um, especially when I'm, I'm going to carry the message. So this foundation meeting was presented to me. Um, I heard one for the first time in early COVID for, from uh, the Dallas PPG group, and it, and it really changed my sobriety. It really caused me to launch. And, and the purpose of the foundation meeting is a bit of a Mythbusters kind of a format. Mainstream AA speak and uh, introduce the, the program recovery that's contained in the book. So Alcoholics Anonymous is a book. Our, our, uh, our fellowship was named after the title of this book. So hope to point out some things that are important along the way. I start out with... Uh, with the title page, super important page, lots of information there. It states that, that this is the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. That's, that's that in itself is a hopeful statement. And, and the word recovered simply means uh, to regain um, a normal state or condition. And, and just like the common cold, I, I can contract a common cold. And I am currently completely recovered from the common cold. Doesn't mean I can't get sick again. So I need to keep that in mind. We can, we can flip over to the table of contents. And like I said, we're gonna be moving fairly rapidly there for the amount of time allotted. If, if, I, look at the, if I look at the table of contents, I see that we have a, we have a preface. We have a forward to the first and second edition, which contain vital information, um, lots of good statistics in the second forward, third and fourth forwards, primarily membership numbers um, to see how we were rapidly growing, especially in our early days. Uh, we have the doctor's opinion, the doctor being William Duncan Silkworth. And the doctor's opinion all the way up to about page 23 is primarily focuses on the, the physical piece of, of the physical part of our disease. We have uh, Bill's story, the first eight pages of which are Bill's drunk log. Uh, the remaining eight pages, Bill sober. And he, so we get to see both sides of that and the progression of the disease. Pages 23 through 43 focus primarily on the mental 
part of this disease. We can we jump into alcohol uh, more about alcoholism with some great um, great stories about four outstanding stories. Fred's my favorite, by the way. Uh, we agnostics primarily cover step two, step three and four are masterfully covered in in chapter five how it works. Steps five through eleven are all kind of jammed into the chapter into action. We have a, a chapter appropriately titled Working with Others, which is I've, I've heard referred to as a secret handshake of AA. Very, very important part of this, this program and long-term permanent sobriety. Chapters eight, nine, and 10 focus on those we live with, those we interact with. And then a vision for you, very appropriately titled I, I like to consider it a kind of a recap and review. Let's see. So we'll jump over to page uh, Roman numeral 11, XI for the Roman numerally, numerally challenged. And it starts out by saying, because this book has become the basic text for our society and has helped such a large number of alcoholic men and women to recovery, there exists strong sentiment against any radical changes being made in it. Even the 12 and 12, which does not contain the directions for working the steps, by the way, on page 17 states, uh, the book Alcoholics Anonymous became the basic text of the fellowship and still is. So this is the owner's manual for the alcoholic. As we heard read this morning, um, we'll jump over to page XII, forward to the first edition, which is a, which I love. It reads, we of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we refers to the authors, the first 100. It's not talking about me. I'm, I will be referred to as the reader as we go along. Are more than 100 men and women who have recovered. There's that word again, returned to a normal state. From a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication is necessary. We think this account of our experience will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic's a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all. So I learned that I'm a very sick person as an alcoholic. I'm, I'm, I'm not a bad guy trying to get good. I'm a, I'm a sick guy. I have a, I have a disease. And I take some comfort in that. And it talks about some uh, precise instructions. Which reminds me, I quick story. I, I, I go over to my buddy Jim's house. And uh, Jim makes an outstanding chocolate cake. And uh, I, I finish eating a piece of this phenomenal cake and I ask him for the recipe as we often would. And it would stand to reason that if I duplicate the recipe that Jim used, I should get the, the same cake. So, so my dad, who's on this call with us this morning, he's got a, a 35 year birthday coming up on the, about the 15th of April. And I wanna make this cake, chocolate, which is his favorite cake. But as I'm looking down the recipe, I realize that he's he's trying to cut back on carbs. So I, I'm gonna shave a little bit of flour out of that thing, and and he he's got a sweet tooth. So I'm gonna double the I'm gonna double the sugar. And unfortunately, I didn't manage my time well, so I need to speed up the process because he's on his way over. So instead of cooking it at 350 for about 30 minutes, I'm gonna broil it for 10 minutes because I'm out of time. So. I don't think I can 
expect to get a cake that is going to resemble that wonderful, perfectly prepared chocolate cake like Jim made for me. It's, it's just a good analogy for me to remember that there's, there's precise instructions here. They're not open to my interpretation and I don't take the best and leave the rest. I, I follow the instructions as they are and I can expect to get recovered like the first 100 get got, excuse me. So let's look over to Roman numeral uh, page 16 on page uh, forward to the second on page Roman numeral 16, yes. So it says, uh, Bill goes to Akron on business. It fails and Bill fear, fears he'll drink. He suddenly realizes he can't carry this message to another alcoholic. Turns out to be Dr. Bob. Bill gave Dr. Bob Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness. He pursued the spiritual remedy for his malady, sobered and never to drink again until his death in 1950. So what I didn't hear is uh, Bill hanging in there one day at a time. Uh, Bill didn't consider himself to always be recovering, um, like I might hear in some um, mainstream AA meetings. And I have to say, I believe that for believed that for years, dragging myself to a meeting a week or so and um, carrying the disease, not the solution. And I had this secret experiment going, I didn't even realize, which is how how little could I, how little action could I take and and stay sober? And I almost found out. I'm, I'm really glad I didn't. Um, this isn't what Bill in the first 100 said. They they emphasized um, working the steps and carrying the message to another alcoholic. And that's uh, very important. Uh, continuing on in the forward to the second, we, we, see, we start seeing some membership numbers on Roman numeral 18. We see that... Uh, 800 members in uh, 1939, Rockefeller has this, this dinner, uh, or I'm sorry, in 1940, there's a Rockefeller dinner. Jack Alexander, investigative reporter, does an article in the Saturday Evening Post. And by the end of 1941, there's 8,000 members. So quite a, quite a boom for our outfit here. Roman numeral 20, XX, uh, has some has some stats from 1950-ish, kind of controversial, um, but I'll read some stats. Of, of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once um, and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. 50 plus 25, that's about 75%. That's nearly eight out of 10. That's, that's pretty good numbers. Yeah, any idea what it is today? Today, the stats vary depending on where you look, but I, from what I read, uh, less than 5% will get five years. And that's, that's sad. So that's my fault. I got to help carry a, an undiluted uh, message of hope. So we ask why, why these good numbers versus not so good numbers. Um, I thought maybe drugs, but I'm reminded that there was laudanum and morphine and opium and all these other drugs were, were alive and well then. Um, maybe, the, maybe the style of meetings, you know, the, in the early days, it was all about carrying the message. And I don't know if the majority of the meetings, if we look in a service directory, um, aren't about carrying the message. They're, they're more uh, group open discussion meetings, if you will. So they don't focus on this program of action contained in 
in the 12 steps. So the doctor's opinion, there we have reference to the, to the little doctor, William Duncan Silkworth over on page, over on page Roman numeral 28. There's a great, there's a great uh, passage I like to refer to. It says, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol on these chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy. Uh, manifestation just meaning how it shows up. Mosquito bites show up in a bump in a red spot. Alcoholism shows up in an allergy. I can't get enough. That phenomenon of craving, which I just described, is, is limited to this class and never occurs in the average drinker. Doesn't say rarely occurs, says it, it never occurs. It just doesn't happen in the average tempered drinker. And these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. So I have some responsibility to read labels. If, if I do end up with that common cold and I'm looking for something to help me get through that, uh, mask some of the symptoms, if you will, I probably need to read the label on NyQuil before I'm gonna start taking NyQuil because it's it's got a lot of alcohol in it, as just some cough syrups and vanilla extract and uh, mouthwash. I can I can choose an alcohol-free mouthwash. I'm, I'm responsible for those things. So that's that, that's the physical part of of this disease is this allergy that Dr. Silkworth so so perfectly describes. Um, allergy, quick, quick definition. I've, I've become a, a user of the dictionary because definitions matter and, and Bill didn't use words by mistake. An allergy just, um, just means without comparable effect on the average individual. So if I just don't drink, I don't have to worry about that allergy, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll cover the mental part of this thing pretty quick here and see if See why that's a problem. So we have a, um, a chapter titled, There is a Solution. And we'll look over on page 20 of There is a Solution. And we're going to learn about a few different types of, of, of drinkers. If we look up at the bottom of 20, we read uh, about moderate drinkers. Says that modern drinkers have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have good reason for it. They can take it or leave it alone. I used to say things like, I don't understand how that guy can leave a half a glass of beer at the table. Um, if I understand alcoholism, that shouldn't be a mystery to me. He doesn't have the allergy. I have the allergy. I, I need to understand the difference in the normal, the, the moderate drinker and myself, the chronic alcoholic, if I'm going to carry a good message here. Then we look at a certain type of hard drinker right at the bottom of the page. He may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. If a sufficiently strong reason, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult or troublesome and may even need medical attention, maybe detox. Uh, page 21, uh, what about the real alcoholic? We're, we're warming up here. He may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker, but at some stage of his drinking, he become, begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts. So this is me. Um, I'm going to quote my friend uh, KDP. Um, when I start, I can't stop and I can't stop start. So that's, 
that that sums it up. Um, I don't I don't crave a drink. I, I drink then develop a craving. It it works backwards from from what I thought. Um, treatment works great for the hard drinker. We're gonna we're gonna see some hard drinkers in our rooms, and um, in AA meetings, and we'll get to the importance of qualifying the alcoholic soon. Let's flip over to page twenty four. Still in there's a, there's a solution, and let's let's read here. Top of the page says uh, at the, at a certain point in the drink of, of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. This tragic situation has arrived in practically every case long before it's suspected. This is the this is the death sentence. This is the mental part of the disease. Excuse me. Squiggly writing coming up, so be very alert when we have squiggly writing. Uh, it says, uh, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. It, it is my responsibility as I as I take someone through the work to be able to explain the physical and the mental part of this disease. And much like uh, my job, which is to bayonet the wounded, I say is I need to give that guy uh, a, a hopeless case and desperate case of alcoholism. If he's a real alcoholic, I crash a car. I drink, too many pitchers of beer at Pizzaville. I'm not quite old enough to be drinking beer at Pizzaville. I crash my car. I'm drunk. I get away with it. I don't get in any trouble. I don't get a, um, a DUI. Within a day or so, I'm drinking again. It's not because I didn't remember that event, but I didn't remember it with sufficient force of what it's like to pull my hair out of the windshield and start lying to the police officers. Um, but I, I didn't remember it with sufficient force. And I got that little part of my mind saying, that was a one and done. This, it'll be different this time. The, the, the clock is ticking though. So since I can't remember it for even this short amount of time, let's look back to Roman numeral 28. Lots of flipping back and forth here. At the, in the middle of the page, it says a frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. That sounds like um, my girlfriend saying, if you love me, you'd stop. It sounds like my, my, uh, my mom or dad or somebody that saying things like, uh, look what you're doing to yourself. Um, so that, that's, not a, that's not a message that holds my attention. With, with the disease of alcoholism. Um, it also says the message which can interest and hold to these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. It doesn't say I draw a line and don't deal with that stuff. I, I get to recreate my life my, uh, by working the steps and making amends. I'd like to be able to walk down the street and, and, and meet everyone that I've ever had an interaction with head on and never have to change sides of the street. 
we're, we're getting closer. I don't, I don't know that I'm there yet, but we're, we're gaining on that. Let's see, let's, uh, let's look on down the bottom of that page. It says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit as injurious, they cannot after time differentiate the true from the false. The true being I'm powerless, the false being it'll be different this time. <laughs> to them, for me, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They're restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience a sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks they see others taking with impunity. Impunity means they're not getting in trouble. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, there's that physical part, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging ever remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. That comes out of my mouth like, oh, baby, I, I, it'll never happen again. I'm going to join a gym, I swear. Um, I make big promises. Come to find out, I'm not a liar. I just don't have the power to keep that promise. This is repeated over and over, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. On the other hand, as strange as this may seem to those who don't understand, once a psychic change has occurred, the very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol, the only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. So I got a decision to make here, decision time. Bottle or the big book? No door number three. That's, that's a no middle of the road solution. All right. We're gonna jump over to page 30 and more about alcoholism. And it starts out with a great sentence. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we can drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. I, I tried this over and over. Um, once in a while, I could come home after the two or three I said I was going to have, and then I'd think, see, I'm not, uh, it's not so bad after all. I, I'm, I think I'm starting to regain some control. It also says we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. That's not just saying that I'm alcoholic. I, I've got to know this deep down in my, in my center. This, this is important. Look over to uh, page 31 towards the bottom of the page. It says, we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest barroom and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. So I always, in the futile attempts I made at this, I always decided quickly into the experiment that it was a bad day for an experiment, that another day would be a better day to give, to give this a try. It's so funny because that seems so real in my own voice, telling myself that it's just a bad day for an experiment. Not that you're screwed and hopeless and you can't, you can't, you don't have the power to make this decision. 
It says I should try this more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you're honest with yourself about it. It may be worth, the bad ca- worth a bad case of the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Uh, anyone need to do any diagnosing? No, I, I really want you to be sure. We don't want to move on with, without, without being convinced. All right. So we're going to jump ahead to the uh, diagnostic page. Let's look over to page 44 in a chapter I initially skipped because I didn't figure I was agnostic. So we'll take a look under the hood now since we're in the diagnosis phase. And the chapter starts out reading, in the, previ- in the preceding chapters, you've learned something of alcoholism. We hope we've made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. So here's test time. Simple two-question, not a multi-page test. Uh, question one, if you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely. That sounds like, uh, I promise I'm through forever. Statements like that. Second question, or if when drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, that's where I'm only going to have two or whatever that number is. Um, I can't call that number. I got a little wiggle room here, but it does say that uh, you are probably alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness, which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Those are the qualification questions, as, as I've been taught. I shouldn't gloss over that. I, I want to make sure that someone, if you're alcoholic, let's figure it out. If you're not, let's figure it out. Let's get you headed to the right place to get you some help. Page 45. First full paragraph. Excuse me. Starts out, lack of power. That was our dilemma. If I have power. I don't have a dilemma, but lack of power, that was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves, obviously. But where and how are we to find this power? Simple question early on, um, sitting across from, a, from a, a, a newcomer, do you believe there's a power working in my life? Yes or no? Uh, are you willing to believe that that same power if that answers yes, are you really willing to believe that same power can work in your life? Not any more complicated than that to make a beginning. I've just completed step two. Well, that's what exactly what this book was, is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. So the definition of main I look up just says most important element. Main, as we might guess, means fairly important. Okay, we're going to jump ahead a few pages to page 58 in how it works. This, may, this chapter, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and tell us, uh, think it, it may tell us how it works. So it starts out, uh, rarely have we seen a person thoroughly follow our path. Scratch that. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path my attempt at humor. Uh, Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. If 
if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps. Hmm. Certain steps. Okay. I should, it sounds like there's going to be some action. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. So cunning, baffling, powerful. Once again, uh, Bill Wilson uses words very um, intentionally. Give you a couple definitions. Cunning means clever, sly, shrewd, crafty, exhibiting creativity and ingenuity. Baffling, there's our baffling definition, of a nature that defies solution or understanding. And lastly, powerful, defined as effective, having strength, power, or authority. Gosh, that makes me look at cunning, baffling, powerful a little different. Top of page 59 says half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. The turning points, whether I commit to doing the, doing the steps or if I'm going to turn back to, to booze as my solution to alcoholism, because alcohol treats alcoholism, come to find out, much like the steps a spiritual solution can treat alcoholism. Booze is just much quicker. Um, if it continued to work, you might have a different speaker today. <laughs> my friend Myers uh, reminds me that I stand at the turning point every morning. So on my alarm clock, when it goes off at some ungodly hour, um, my alarm reads, uh, I'm standing at the turning point. I have to remember that every day I can turn into this thing, which has become the, the most important part of my life, or I can turn, I can turn away from it. And I'm happy to report most mornings I turn right into this thing and jump in with both feet. We'll flip over to page 60. Um, we have a bit of a recap here. Um, it reads about halfway down the page, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. ABC's time. Um, a, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, step one. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism, also step one. And C, that God couldn't would if he were sought. Step two. Um, at the end of the ABCs, it used to read, um, if you're not convinced, the original manuscript read, if you're not convinced, reread it or throw the book away. So they were pretty serious about, we got to get this part. Page 20 to 60, I have to have no reservations. I need to believe this if I'm going to move forward. It then reads, uh, being convinced, we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? My will is my life. Uh, my will is my thought. My life is my actions. And I, and I, and I do this, I change these thoughts and actions by doing the rest of the work in steps four through 12. Step three is just a decision to do that. If I look at page 62, it tells me towards the top of the page, first full paragraph, um, selfishness and self-centeredness, 
that we think of the, is the root of our troubles. I would have guessed it was going to say something about Coors Light and or Jose Cuervo right here, but it doesn't mention either of those elixirs. It mentions selfishness and self-centeredness. That's weird. Uh, if we look at the, the top of page 63, it tells me I have a new employer. We had a new employer. Being all powerful, he provided what we needed if we kept close to him and provided his work well. So that's the power I'm looking for. That's the power I'm lacking. That's, that's my new job is performing, performing his work well. Let's see. A little further down, it says we were now, same page, we were now at step three. Many of us said to our makers, we understood him. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, doesn't say alcohol, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love. May I do thy will always. The, my, the third step is my commitment to do the rest of this work. Um, I wonder when I'm supposed to start the fourth step. It's kind of vague. Oh, wait a minute, it's not. It says next. Uh, at, the, at the bottom of the page, it says next, we launched out on a course of vigorous action. Steps four through nine. The first step of which is a personal house cleaning, which many of us have never attempted. Though our decision, step three, was vital and crucial step, it could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. Our liquor was but a symptom. We had to get down to causes and conditions. So to, re to reiterate, it says permanent effect. It doesn't say hanging in there one day at a time and just don't drink today and, or meeting makers make. It doesn't say anything about that. It says permanent effect. Fun fact that steps four through 11 are, are, are contained over 20 pages from 63 to 83. And, and this is the only book that has these, has the directions for taking these steps. Let's see, we're, we're just a quick, just a quick recap of the steps back on page 58. We read uh, step five is admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove our defects of character. Step seven, humbly asking to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Uh, step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure me or others. Wait a minute, injure them or others. Because I like, if it says me, the list is shorter. Um, I like that. All right, we're going to. We're going to make a big jump here to page 84, getting into some, some of the, uh, some good stuff here. If I look at the, the middle of the page, it reads, uh, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past, as I do step nine, not when I'm all done. Um, fun fact, we have entered the world of the spirit. Our next step is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. It says I should continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God, it didn't say if these crop up, it says when these crop up, 
we ask God at once. It doesn't say I wait till that night. It says I ask him at once. Uh, it doesn't say I ask him to remove them at once. It just says I ask him at once. You ask him at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. We resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. Wow. So I heard a great analogy that it's uh, regarding the 10th step is it's, it's much easier to, to catch a snowflake than, than, than an avalanche. If I, if I take care of these things as they crop up, I'm going to, that's going to be much easier. Um, for years, I claimed to be working step 10 and it was a uh, lip service for sure. It's not until, um, gosh, in excess of 20 years sobriety, closer to 30 years sobriety that I really started honestly working this 10th step, which includes the looking part. If, if I'm, if I'm not doing this step, I'm working my program. I'm not working the program. Uh, steps 10, 11, and 12 allow me to practice these principles in all my affairs. If, if I don't practice them, my life becomes way more like page 52, which is not a great goal. Let's, uh, let's jump over to the bottom of page 85. Step 11, suggest prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Top of top of eighty six. Um, the prayer starts with the nightly review. Um, it doesn't take long to do this. If I'm doing if I'm doing my ten step, this this review is pretty quick. When we retire at night, we constructively review our day. We were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Looks it looks a lot like step ten. Uh, it's a great place to catch something I've missed, though anything I've missed. Um, but it it's, doesn't take the place of step 10. It's, it's, it goes along with step 10. It says, do I owe an apology? Have I kept something uh, to, have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving towards all? That's a catch-all for me. Um, all is a big word. Uh, what could we have done better? Usually something. Uh, were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? No comment. Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, what we could pack into the stream of life? But we must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. This can this can lead me back to total selfishness, this this worry, remorse, and morbid reflection. It's still a focus on me. I'm not trying to focus on me. It's that's more of a more selfish behavior, more blocking. I want less blocking. It says that that type of reflection, uh, for that would diminish our usefulness to others. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. It jumps ahead to uh, on awakening. Uh, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives. And I, I take enough time to do that so that God knows I know I need God. And that's, that was done within the last hour on my knees. That's, that's a must do. That's not, that's not optional for this alcoholic. Let's see, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated. I get agitated. I don't know if anyone else does, but I still get agitated. 
uh, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. I heard a funny way of uh, the agitated uh, to, to, uh, to remind me of pause. And that was, uh, don't just do something, stand there. Sometimes I need to stand there. Sometimes I don't need action. I need to, I really need to pause that. Pause can be an action for me. And my pause button doesn't always work. Uh, we constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. I am no longer the general manager of the universe. That is, that is not my job. That's God's job. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will, not, thy will be done. We are in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become more efficient. I love efficiency. Uh, we do not tire so easily, for we are not burning up energy so foolishly as we did when we were trying to run the show. My goodness. Running the show takes a lot of effort, and uh, not my job, God's job anyway. Um, trying to arrange to suit ourselves. But this is not all. There's action and more action. Faith without works is dead. The next chapter is entirely devoted to step 12. So if we look at page, we can flip over to page uh, 89. In the big book, we have the chapter titled Going to Meetings. Wait a minute. I drew a line through that. It's titled working with others. I, I thought it meant going, I thought they meant going to meetings and that's where I would work with others, but it's actually titled working with others. And it says uh, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. That is, that is really good news. And it reminds me that it's my interpretation of working with others is not it was that it was bonus material because I had worked the steps, not that it was one of the steps, but it is step 12 is all about working with others and practicing these principles in all my affairs. It is, it is one of the steps. Um, going to meetings and service commitments, uh, great and important parts of, of the program, but they by themselves don't treat alcoholism. I, I, I have to work the recovery part of the program myself. I have to help other uh, men through the 12 steps in order to complete that triangle, in order to complete unity, which I, I do by going to meetings. Service, I can do by creating an opportunity for the message to be carried and recovery, which is the working of the steps portion for myself and the, and the helping others through the steps portion of carrying this message of, uh, of the recovery portion. Working with others is a secret handshake of AA. When we really rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path, this is part of the path. And I didn't, I, I didn't realize that I didn't, I, I didn't, pay attention to that. Um, I've recovered from a, a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, that to, to sum that up, for this alcoholic, that simply means I'm no longer thinking about drinking and I'm no longer thinking about not drinking. By the, the grace of God has taken that away. And with, with that, 
I'm going to call that a wrap. Thanks for listening to me and uh, thank you.